Happy Monday, everyone. This is Rob with episode number 271 of Shut Up and Grind, where we, sorry, I got sidetracked by my phone, <laughs> where we help you overcome obstacles, defy the odds, and help you clear whatever is blocking your path to whatever it is you want to have success with in this life. So you're going to notice I'm sweating a little bit. I did a 13-mile bike ride, so my body's still coming down from that. I just starting to warm up here in the Northeast. So I think we're in the 60s today. So for, for us, that's warming up. All right. So anyways, if you're brand new to the show, we're all about telling stories. So it's very easy to share the wins of life, but we're here to talk about the struggles of life and how people get through the struggles and get on to the other side. And so my guest today is an expert in this field. And so we're going to have a great conversation as we talk about how to build a bulletproof mindset. So coming on to the show is Paula Samuel. Well done. How well you? done. <laughs> I did it. I did it. <laughs> oh, I I butchered many a name on here because like, you know, we do our, because like, I don't really vet the guests when, when they come on because I, I like the I like the uh, episodes to be as raw and organic as possible. Right. And so I try to keep the, the pre-show conversation down to a minimum. And then I, for so many times, I forget to ask the pronunciation of the names. So yeah. I'm like, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, this person, bring them in. <laughs> well, Richard, you, you did me? well. You did well. <laughs> Thank you. Where are you joining me from? I'm joining you from Montreal. So I get it when you say it's warming up in the 60s, although we have yes. Celsius. It's warming up. It's nine. It's eight. That's kind oh, of six. Yeah, fifty-ish. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Are you yeah. born and raised yeah. from there? Born and raised Montreal. Yeah, I've lived in a. In, actually, I've lived in the states for. I lived in California for four years. I lived in Australia. I just I spent time a little bit everywhere, but. Okay. All right. So, what what's the best thing you like about living in Canada? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> That's a question. So definitely not the winter. I can tell you what I don't like. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> uh, I love, um, so I'm, I'm first generation Canadian. My parents are not Canadian. Okay. Um, certainly living in Montreal, I love the multiculturalism and everybody speaks at least two languages, like French and English is what everyone speaks for sure. Yes. Uh, multilingualism. And I, I love the, I mean, Canadians are just laid back people. So I think the best part of living in Canada is just like everyone's just pretty relaxed about who you are. And politically, there's there's different sides. Obviously, everybody votes differently, whatever, but it doesn't define you. You know, yes. so I, I really I really like that. Awesome. Yeah. Not like here where it defines you. Where it defines you. Yeah. And more and more it's... defines you. Yeah. So it's like even in journalists, I'm a former broadcast journalist, even in journalism, you just, you know, you 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 were friends with your colleagues and you did what you did and that was it yeah so and i have yeah. a lot of cousins in the states so uh, you know we don't have that and i'm ha very happy that we don't have that gotcha yeah. <laughs> what was it yeah. like growing up there uh well it i'll tell you the experience for me because so my yeah. parents are from egypt oh, um okay. and coming here they came as refugees immigrants were, were jewish egyptians actually and yeah. so uh it, it was interesting because I was in school with a lot of first generation Canadians. So um, you go to school and you're in Canada, but when you go home, you're in your culture. And th that's the difference between Canada and the United States also is that we're, you guys are a melting pot. We're what's called a mosaic. So we all become Canadian, but our home stays kind of the culture of where your parents or grandparents are from. So okay. everybody spoke at least one extra language because of the language you spoke at home. Um, so there was there. There's definitely that element, the, the multiculturalism that was always fit well with me. Um, and I mean, as much as I, you know, say I hate the winters, I, I love the winters. <laughs> Skiing is awesome. Skating is awesome. You know, everybody goes up north. Let me call it up north, which is our country, people's country houses to to ski and to skate on lakes. And I know like I had a, a lot of friends from Europe uh, who would come and just be so you know, flabbergasted that people skate on lakes, like real frozen lakes. So, yeah. you know, I don't take that for granted. Like all that, the beautiful, all that beautiful stuff, all that Canadiana stuff is really um, something that gets ingrained in your, in who you are, you know? So it's really cool. I can't relate. I despise the winter. Yeah. <laughs> you got to do winter stuff, you know, like I don't like the winter until I'm like up on the ski hill 
or yeah. I'm out doing some fun winter stuff. Like you got like, so my parents never got into winter because they were from a warm country, you know? So they just were like, what that? But luckily they pushed us to do stuff that so that we would <laughs> enjoy. Like the only thing I really do in the winter is I hike. Like I like to go, go to the mountains, you know, layer up and, and hike. But yeah. other than that, I'm a spring, spring, summer, fall guy. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I, I get you. I, I, I love spring and summer, summer. Like it can never be too hot for me. So I yes. get it. <laughs> <laughs> but your options right. are either you stay inside or you figure stuff out. So we figure Ex stuff out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All yeah. right. So so let's get get into your backstory story a little. Like, how would you describe your upbringing? How would I describe my upbringing? So I'm my catching upbringing, you off guard with all these questions. Yeah. I mean, like, wow. Um, so I, um, my upbringing was very full of life. Like my mm. family, um, you know, Middle Eastern cultures, no matter what your religion, are very welcoming homes. And so my house was always full of laughter and people and um, holidays or tables were full. And I, I would say it would, uh, uh, my childhood was just, I know my grandmothers lived with us and that was just something that was completely normal. Um, and it just, so there was always like multi-generational noise. Uh, we also like, there was always five languages in my house. So everybody was always yelling in one language or another. Like, so there, it was just like, it was loud. And uh, I don't know if the word is in English, but, but like full of life, full of life, yeah. loud, full of life um, arguments too. But just like, it was just, it was, it was a very happy, my, I, I would describe my happy, my childhood as very happy, very uh, passionate because everyone had an opinion. Everyone had 10 opinions um, and, and very filled with love, like really that beautiful upbringing. Yeah. Do you have any siblings? I have an older brother. An older brother, and how, how was your relationship with him? Uh, he was an older brother. You know, he drove me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Still drives me crazy. Still drives me crazy, but I love him to death. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were very close in age. We're only like 18 months apart. So we we're one grade apart. So yeah. really growing up in high school, we had the same friends, which was kind of cool. Like we hung out with the same people. It wasn't like he's three or four years older and a different, you know, it was just yeah. like his friends were my friends, my friends were his friends. Um, and, and he still lives here. Like you're like, we both moved away and we both sort of ended up here and both our parents have unfortunately passed away. So you, uh, you, you know, you, you become closer. Like we're, I'm really close with my nephew, his son. He's really close with my kids. Like, you know, you, your family. So you become closer and that we just, that's how we grew up. And so, yes. Yeah. So what was your childhood dream for a career? What was? Yeah. What was? Was mine or his? Yours. Oh, my childhood dream was what I did. My child. So I'll tell you. Okay. So you want to hear a good story. So <laughs> I actually always wanted to be a spy. Okay. First I time thought, I've heard that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought, well, how cool would that be to be now? Okay. I was a James Bond. I don't think I really understood what being a spy was, but to me, being a spy was being all, you know, slinky and sexy and doing cool <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, and I have my actually hair is actually very, very curly and very, like if you see me in the summer, my hair, like my head's much bigger. <laughs> um, and my father sat me down and said, are you crazy? <laughs> How are you going to be a spy? He goes, he goes, just your hair announces you. And he's like, you have to be undercover. He goes, what are you? He goes, you're loud. You think he goes, you're not, you're not supposed to be noticeable when you're a spy. Don't think, throw that in the garbage. So I thought, okay, all right, that's a good point. So then I thought, huh, what else is kind of adventurous and cool? And I thought I wanted to be, and then I thought I'm going to be a photographer, like a, a photojournalist, you know, mm. and be on the edge of stuff and take pictures. And then it just evolved into becoming a journalist and then a, and a television journalist. And that's what I ended up doing. I, I became a broadcast journalist. Okay. So what was the process to, for you to become that? Uh, well, a lot of um, uh, nerve to knock on doors. That's number one. So I actually, so I went to McGill University in Montreal and I didn't want to take journalism because I thought I can learn in the field how to be a journalist. I just want to learn stuff. So yeah. I took English literature and I did a lot of political science and history courses because that's what really I was passionate about. And then I actually ended up moving to California for four years, um, like maybe when I was in my mid twenties with my boyfriend at the time, who's now my ex-husband, but he was, he was my boyfriend at the time. Okay. And, and uh, he had con he was an engineer and he had contracts company he was working with had contracts in California. So we were able to go there and work. 
And okay. I literally um, just got a list of addresses and phone numbers of TV. I was, it was in uh, San Francisco Bay Area. So, you know, I thought, okay, San Francisco's cool city. Yeah. Like I'd never been there before. And I just thought I'll just go knock on doors. And I literally just went knocking on doors and asking um, the security guards to let me in. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then getting in and talking to people, and I, at, I, I got myself into a bunch of internships. I got into the CNN bureau, uh, which was pretty new at the time, and they they just loved that I spoke several languages and that I was, you know, just a little bit wet for to McGill or whatever it was. Opened a bunch of doors. Ended up at CBS uh, in San Francisco. Did a whole bunch of stuff, and then just got started getting on the air in smaller markets around there. But yeah. it literally was knocking on doors. And then I moved back four or five years into it, we moved back to Montreal. And then I started working for some of the big networks here in Montreal. Um, and that evolved into being a producer. And then I had my kids, took time off and then went back and ended up being a morning show host and an anchor and a reporter for Global TV, which is one of the big Canadian networks. So that kind of evolved evolved into okay. that. Yeah. All right, so, so what were the steps to go from broadcast journalist to producer? Like, was there a ladder you had to climb or did it was some, actually somebody... the opposite? It's funny. You should ask that. It was actually, okay. I started as a producer ah, helping okay. on air reporters and stuff to get the story done. And then mm -hmm. I had to work my way into being in front of the camera. So gotcha. it was, it was just proving your stuff, you know, and proving and, and then, and then showing that you can be as, as, uh, powerful on camera than you can behind the scenes because being on camera and showing yourself on camera is very different than doing stuff behind the scenes. Right. So yes. um, it was just, you know, proving your ability to do it and doing this kind of thing. Live reporting was, was huge, you know, cause producers gotcha. don't have to do that. They just hand the information yep. and then <laughs> do the background stuff. So it was, it was that, it was that. Yeah. So, so which was tougher do you think? On air. On air, okay. On air is tougher. I'll tell you why. Because uh, you, you can't you, you can't think like you've just got to go. So if something happens while you're on the air, you've got to be on. Um, you got to be, be composed, and you got to pivot really quickly. Yeah. Um, and when it's news, you have to be able to have. You know, you get like if you're if you know you, you can't be the deer in the headlights if something happens, right? Yeah. You have to teleprompter stuff. Yeah. 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 Yeah, okay. exactly. And so on air, not on air. It's funny, not on air anchoring. For me, on air anchoring, because you've got to, um, you know, you're, you're reading what's in front of you. You have a teleprompter. On yeah. air live reporting in the field. Is oh, the, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. That was the toughest, yeah. Okay. And so you were producer, broadcast journalist. What are you doing now? So now, oh, interesting question. Um, They're all so interesting now, questions. That's what I do. <laughs> I know. And you do it so well. Thank you. Uh, so now I am a motivational speaker, inspirational speaker, whichever way you'd like to put it, or and uh, a life coach and a mindset coach. And I actually, five years ago, started feel like, I, so I've been in the personal development world for about 10 or 12 years. And, and about five years ago, I started feeling as exciting as this job was, and it had been what I'd wanted to do. I sort of started feeling like it wasn't fulfilling my purpose anymore. Mm. Um, and that I needed something more that it was, you know, it was super exciting at the beginning. Um, Cause everything was new and everything, yeah. you know, as it evolved, but then I was just like, you know, it's great to tell people stories, but I'm not loving the politics side and I'm not loving the corruption that I cover. I'm, it just wasn't, it was just like, Oh, bleh. Like, it was just like, I want to inspire people. I really want to inspire people. And my favorite thing to do is what you're doing, is is interviewing people and asking questions and learning about them and, and being inspired by them. And so I thought I'm just going to, so eventually I like, I, I actually on a family vacation and I thought this is like, it was just, you know, when you're like, you're not thinking, you get your aha moments and that's sort of what yes. happened. Um, and I came home, I was supposed to anchor the news the week I came home. And I literally lost my voice. Like I wasn't sick. I just oh, lost no. my voice. And you can't obviously do broadcasting without a voice. It's not something you can, <laughs> you can't fake it. And I thought I can't possibly imagine a bigger clonk on the head from the universe than me losing my voice when I'm supposed mm. to anchor the news. And yeah. I, I literally, much to the shock of people around me, I just quit. I was like, this isn't, this is a sign. And I'm just, my gut's telling me it's time to quit. And I, and I, and I quit. 
it's yeah. it's so it's so so true because I'm glad you say that because I think a lot of people struggle with that. Like I managed restaurants for 20 years, and then I started getting into fitness just as a side hustle. Like it, it really wasn't supposed to blossom into anything else. It was just I right. got tired tired of coming home cranky from from the restaurant. So right after my shift, I was scheduled just like like a small a small class just to to get me back to my athletic roots and get back to doing what I enjoy. And then I started gaining clients and gaining more clients and my income started rivaling my management income. But Mm. at the same token, you know, the management income was automatic. Like every Friday I'm getting paid, you know, you had the the insurance and the benefits and all, all the other stuff. It was really tough to walk away. And then one day, just right out of the blue, I got fired from my management job. Like never, never been fired in my life. Nothing went wrong. Like boss just came in at the tail end of the lunch rush and was like, we're going to go in a different direction. I was like, whoa. Like, and I was blindsided at first, but, but then it hit me. I was like, I can just go full force with fitness now. Cause like, that was what I wanted to do anyway, but I was hanging on to that one thing that I didn't want. And I think right. so, so many people hang on to the thing that they don't want. That's right. That's a hundred percent right. And they hang on to it because they think that that's what they're supposed to be doing. Yes. Right. And they yes. hang on to it. Be- and also you get to a point like you're like you work, you know, let's say you do put 10 years into managing your restaurant. You're like, but I put 10 years into it. So yes. how could I like not continue? Like, it seems yep. like I've wasted the time, but it's actually the opposite. Right. It's like when you're feeling that when you're feeling that feeling, there's a reason and there's a there's a reason and you need to pivot, but you need to find the courage to pivot. So you're 100 percent right. And sometimes things just happen for you. And that yep. happened for you. You know, it's like that that. That was a gift, although you didn't, <laughs> yeah. probably didn't realize it at the time, you know? No, I, I didn't actually, because now I dropped out of college three three times, to be exact. Okay. okay. So, like I, so like I didn't have a, like a business background or a marketing background. And so, you know, we're t- talking about building a bulletproof mindset. So you get you get told at a young age that if you don't go to college, you're going to end up flipping burgers, you're going to end up pumping gas or doing whatever. So as I'm getting into this fitness world, I was like, I don't have a business background. But but then again, it hit me and because I'm a motivational speaker as well. And Mm -hmm. I tell people like, whatever it is that you want to do, it's already buried in your subconscious mind. So once I started thinking about it, I was like, I hire people, I let people go. I know HR policies. I know sales forecasting. I know profit and loss. I know how to do income statements. And it just went right down the list. I'm like, I, I know about business. <laughs> and so I just started That's applying right. what I knew from restaurant into yeah. fitness. And then I learned marketing and branding just o- over the joining masterminds, going to workshops. Like I traveled all over the country, going to dip- different workshops. And I actually help people with marketing degrees create marketing mm. programs. Yeah, isn't that amazing, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And if you get past that, you know, it's like, it, you're right, it is a culture, like if you don't go to university, you're screwed, you know, yeah. you have no future. Like that is a, that is definitely, I think it's shifting, you know, the, my, my kids' generation are Gen Z, or Gen Z, you guys say, so mm-hmm. like, so that that generation is starting to think, well, that's not like, what if I don't want, and I'm from a university you know, I'm from like, you got to get your education, you know, and most immigrant parents are like that, because that's what you carry with you, right? So it's like ingrained. Um, And, but it, but it's true. It's like, okay, yeah, as long as you're a lifelong learner, I mean, I'm not knocking university, it's super important. But if it doesn't, if you don't, if that's not how you learn, there are other, the beautiful thing about the way we are right now is that there are so many different ways. Like you said, you go around the country, you find, you know, you find meetings, you find masterminds, you find, and you learn that way. And the key is just to keep learning. It yes. doesn't matter how you learn, you know? Absolutely. Spot yeah. on. I love it. Yeah. All right. So when, so when it comes to bulletproof mindset, how did you get there with your own? Um, so I, ha- okay. So like, if you go back to, I, to be fair, I was born a positive person. Like I, I did not have to evolve into that. I am, yeah. ju- I am a born optimist. I have been like that my whole life. And it's funny because I used to get a lot of pushback about being too optimistic or too this or too that. Yeah. Um, but as I went into the personal development world and started working towards becoming a coach and doing those kinds of seminars and masterminds that you talk about in the personal development world, I realized that everything that I was instinctively was the way you're supposed to be. And mm-hmm. so that actually strengthened my resolve to uh, be that. And so I, you know, I would say that my, the bulletproof mindset 
started those first days when I lived in California in my early 20s or my mid 20s. And I was knocking on doors trying to get in through a security guard to go talk to anybody who would give me an inter you know, the chance to just be work for free and be an intern. And it really was bulletproof mindset comes from being from falling and being rejected time and time and time and time again. Bulletproof mindset comes and the way I got it was really just saying, I have a list of people that I need to knock doors that I need to go knock on. I'm just going to keep knocking on the door. Somebody's going to open it up. But accepting that being pushed back and rejection and falling down is part of the process. And if you just accept that as part of the process, then your mindset becomes bulletproof because it's not anybody's reaction to you that's going to put you off the rails. It's your, your deep down belief that somewhere somebody's going to open a door and I know this is what I'm going to do. So it doesn't matter what you say. I will find the, I will find that hole. I will find that door. I will find that opening. That's what creates a bulletproof mindset is being able to. And so for me, it was just like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anybody. I'm a Canadian sitting in the middle of the States. I don't even know. I don't know. I'm just going to knock on doors, you know, and just, just talk to people. And, and what, you know, the thing is, is that when you just talk to people and you ask for help or you ask questions, people usually want to help, you know? And yep. so just putting yourself out there is how you build a bulletproof mindset. It's just, it's just doing it, even though you don't know what you're doing, even though let, you know you're going to fall. Let me you know, add another, yeah, let me add another layer, right? So everything you said is absolutely right. I just want to add another layer. You knew what you wanted. That's right. Because that, because that matters too. Right. Like a lot, lot of people get stuck on the hamster wheel because they That's don't right. have a clear destination. That's like right. when you, when you have a clear destination, you'll take all the shots that that are needed to be taken. Yeah, you know, and you and know so, exactly. You, you know your destination. And you know your why. Right. Yes. Those two are the things. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, and that's what I do with my with my clients is I'm like, until you have clarity, until you're clear until to what you want to do, we can't even put you on a roadmap because yep. that we don't know where we're going. Right. Until you've got that certainty and clarity. Those are the two things. Right. And yes. and that's what puts you on the roadmap to getting things done. And Absolutely. and you're right. So many people are stuck on the hamster wheel or it's just stuck in this constant cycle of okay I'm going to try oh it didn't work and then getting pushed back into their comfort zone and then and then trying out again and just not being scared of falling and yeah. scared and the word failure by the way is such a positive word if you yeah. if you look at it with the right lens right it really yeah. just means you're trying I mean how do you succeed if you don't fall yeah you, I've done multiple fall. yeah I've done multiple podcast episodes about that very topic but go ahead yeah. continue yeah. No. So that's what I'm saying is that like if you if when when you teach people to change the lens and the perspective of the word failure, suddenly it's that word. It's that fear of that word. And it's and it's in the future. Right. So it's all like in your head anyway. It's it's not anything that happened. It's something yeah. that you think might happen. And so it True. stops you from going forward. And True. so if, if you know, if pe once once people start changing the relationship with that word, things start to shift also because it's like, OK, well, what's the worst that could happen? Okay, somebody slams the door in my face. Okay, so I'll go to the next door. Like, and yeah. then what? You know, um, or I can fall, or I can look stupid, or you know, it's kind of like people who don't want to learn a new language or often don't want to learn one because they're afraid of looking not as intelligent as they are in their own language. So they're afraid mm. of saying things, you know, that sound yeah. stupid. But if you're like, this is just me learning, so I'm going to sound stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? it's like I always say. As long as long as, as the end goal is is clear, you know you'll be willing to do what it takes. Like in two thousand nine, I was I had a bad knee injury and I was told I would never run or jump again. And now I'm I'm a competitive athlete, so th that's I'm just a natural born medical rebel. <laughs> that's just what I am. So anything yeah. that I've gone through, I'm like game on, challenge accepted. And right. as I'm going through my rehab. You know, my therapists are telling me, you know, you, you know, I think think you're doing too much. I'm like, but it doesn't feel bad. Like, if it doesn't feel bad, I'm going to move it. It's like, you know, I get it. You guys studied this stuff for a living, but I know my body. It's like, I know where right. my threshold is. And right. as I started making steps back, I ran four months later. And so I actually and everyone heard said it. you couldn't, right? Well, well, people were telling me I shouldn't. They're like, you're doing too much. You got to slow down. You got to like, no, like I know what I'm capable of. Yeah. And so, and how that, that attitude translates into fitness 
you know, people will, will say, oh, I keep yo-yoing. I'm like, no, you don't keep yo-yoing. You keep quitting. It's like, if you stop quitting, like, are you drinking enough water? No. You're getting enough steps? No. Did you train at least three days this week? No. That's why you're yo-yoing because you right. keep quitting. You know, right. if you stop doing that, keep your eye on the prize. Like when your eye is on the prize, the actions will follow. You know, right. People fall off because they take their eye off the prize. Like me, I'm like, I'm going to run again. I'm going to compete again. Like I'm going to get back on the track again. And yeah. it was a long road to get there. But like I said, when your vision is, I mean, you said it too, like, you know, when your vision is crystal clear, you're willing to take those shots. And I took those shots for, I didn't get back. It took me seven years to compete in track and field again, seven years, but I did. Right. And, and you know what I will add to that is that because you so listened to your gut and you were so clear and connected to the to the, the fact that no matter what everybody says, I know I'm going to be able to run and, and compete and track again. It doesn't matter what the experts are telling me or the doctors are telling me. Like how many stories do we hear about that over and over and over yeah. again? You know, the miracle stories, the miracle stories maybe is the way it's supposed to be. You know, yeah. all the stories of people who were told you're never going to run, you're never going to walk, you're never going to do, you go too fat, whatever. It, the, it's the people who listen to their inside yeah. gut and just go, I don't care what you say to me. I know I will just move out of my way and just, you know, guide me in going that way. And that's it. And it, that's exactly. going back to the bulletproof mindset. That's what it is, right? Listening to that inner voice and not be, I always say being, you know, it's it, the confidence comes as an inside job, right? It's inside out, not outside in. Yes. And if you're listening to everybody's opinion and experts, especially, like we, especially, especially with doctors, you know, we think, Oh, it's a doctor. Like he knows, you know, blah, blah, blah. So he says that I can't, therefore I can't. Um, but if you listen to that inside voice, it doesn't matter. You just get it done. That's what you did. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. so even though I call myself a motivational speaker, like even as a, in the gym, that word is outlawed. I was like, I don't want you to find motivation. Like I want you to find determination because yeah. adding on to what you said, determination is from inside. Like right. no, no outside force can touch your, your determination. That's right. At all. And consistency, determination, yes. consistency. True. Uh, yeah, very, very true. It, the most, most, much. Yeah, that's why I say I'm actually an inspirational speaker. Yeah, because I'm not trying to yeah. motivate. I'm trying to inspire. Yeah. Yes, yeah, like I bounce, I bounce between the two, but yeah. just for like marketing and search engines and hashtags, like okay. motivational speaker is very, very prevalent. That's right. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like but when it's, I joke, when I joke about it, I, I, I always say I, I help people to not suck. Ah, love it. <laughs> level oh, up man. and don't suck that's awesome <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right so what type types of people do you work with um so i work with a little like i i uh it's funny because my son my younger son is also a uh, pro athlete uh, a high level athlete and he's actually becoming a professional soccer player he's 20 awesome. um yeah and he uh he went to ireland and got onto the number one team in Dublin. And he like, he same kind of thing, knocked on doors and did that kind of thing. He has an agent as well. And so I say this because that's sort of where I got the bulletproof mindset is that because when you're an athlete, you really have to concentrate on what you're doing and not yep. listen to outside forces, right? And that's super important. So, um, but I, generally speaking, I, so I do work with athletes, young athletes who are on the level of going from like really, really good, you know, high school to, to getting ready to that, that next level, whether it be university or college level or pro, that kind of thing, because that's a big mindset thing. As yes. you know, you can get as fit as you want, but if it's not here, mm -hmm. you're, you're never going to go higher than, than here, right? Yeah. Um, I work with, and, and I also work with teenagers uh, who are dealing with anxiety or really don't, are dealing with just a lot of noise in their head and trying yeah. to figure out where to go. Um, and But mostly... My, the biggest part of my clientele is people who have like done, so it could be, there's no real age. It could be thirties. I would say like from late thirties to like, and on, you know, like there's no real age bracket, but it is people who have done what they thought they were supposed to do, whether it's get the degree or go to the school they're supposed to go to get the job, uh, get the house, get married, get whatever they thought society says that you're supposed yep. to do. And then they get to a point and go, uh, okay, now what? Like what, like I'm exactly. not feeling fulfilled. Where's my fulfillment? Like I thought this is all I needed to do and it's not. 
right? Because again, that was what society told you you were supposed to do. And you followed the rules from the outside, not from what your inside was telling you. And yes. so that is really a big chunk of my clientele. And I have people, you know, people who are in the finance industry, people in the health industry, and people who have found success financially, yeah. but are feeling eh, in every yeah. other way. And they're like, why do I feel, eh? you know? Yeah. So um, again, that's what it is. And it's really sort of about digging out you know, what's your, what are your limiting beliefs and what are your blocks and what did you learn as a kid that, that keeps you on that pattern of going towards things that don't necessarily fulfill you, but you think is what you're supposed to do. Like, a, it's just, it's that, you know, thinking yeah. this is, this was what everyone told me I should do. Yeah. yeah Cause it is. you know, and I'm not knocking education either, but kids go through school to join the workforce. Like that's, that's what they're, that's what they're groomed for, you know? So yeah. the people at the top making all the money, they need workers, yeah. you know, to make all the money. Like right. I spoke at a local high school here at their career day. I actually spoke there three or four years in a row and I didn't speak to them about being a personal trainer. I spoke to them about entrepreneurship and mm -hmm. back to what you were saying about the life cycle. Now these are middle school kids. You're talking 11, 12 year old kids. Mm. And I'm just like, all right, so what's the light life cycle? So you go to kindergarten, then, then what? And they're like, you know, then you go to middle school, elementary school, you go to middle school, they're like, you go to college, you get a job. They're like, you work till you retire and then you die. Mm. And I was like, and these are 10 and 11 year old kids, 11, 12 year old mm. kids. And it's already in their brain. This right. is what I'm supposed to do. Right. And so as I was talking to them about entrepreneurship, I was like, now, so I was like, being an entrepreneur, it's not hard, but it's, I mean, it's not easy, but it's easy to start. And so I was like, all right, I was like, I need someone who, who's an athlete, who's an athlete. And this little girl put, puts her hands up and I was like, all right, come, come up here. I was like, what sport do you play? She's like basketball. I said, what things do, do you need to be good at basketball? And she's like rebounding, dribbling, shooting, running, jumping. I was like, do you think you can make a video to teach a seven-year-old how to play basketball? Like showing them how to do th all these things. And she's like, yeah. I said, there you go. I just gave you a blueprint for an online product. Yeah. Like it's, it's yeah. That, that fast, but they don't get taught that stuff in school because no. if, if everyone comes out and be, becomes an entrepreneur, there'll be no workers. Right. Unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that, that, and also it's just, it's just sort of, I mean, obviously if you're going to, if you're going to be a lawyer, you need to get a law degree. If you're going to be a doctor. You yeah. need to get Engineer. a medical degree, right? Yeah. Engineer. There's certain jobs that obviously you, that fulfill your thing, but it, it also university system, which it's super important. So I'm not trying to diss it, but it was yeah. based on like our parents, grandparents, when they were going to university, they literally came out and had a job waiting for them, mm. right? Didn't matter what your degree was. You came yeah. out and you had a job waiting for you. you it, it was really the, the, the springboard towards jobs. And that's not true anymore. Like how many kids come out of yeah. school and they have no idea what they're doing, right? And they're delivering pizzas. Right. <laughs> they're trying to figure themselves out. And that's cool, but it, there's no guarantee anymore. And so it's all getting very murky you know, in terms of the system and what do you do? And so, and so, you know, kids who start out at 11 years old, like these kids you're talking to, when they get to 40, they're like, okay, now what? Like I've done all this stuff that I was supposed mm. to do and I'm not feeling fulfillment. And because society is changing and people are talking more about this stuff, there's a, a much more self-awareness that we, there's more to life than doing just that. Right. And, and yeah. there is, and you know, what I talk about and, work with people a lot on is that it is you can have your passion and you can make the money with your passion it's not yeah. like work at a shitty job and just and follow your passion it yeah. you can have all of it together and yep. and that's sort of unblocking these set beliefs on what life is supposed to look like and there's i mean there's 100%. just so much out there you know 100 so spot on yeah. yep 100 yeah. spot on because like i always tell people don't ch chase money and like chase passion because when that's you right. chase passion, money finds you. That's right. <laughs> you know, that's like right. it'll find you. So like yeah. as a like as a speaker, you know, when I first started, I didn't really know what I was doing. Again, because like I had just got, you know, very well versed in in the fitness world. And so then same thing with, with speaking. It's like I'm not saying I'm glad COVID happened, but just when the gyms got shut down, it I it forced me to focus on doing virtual stuff. So right. 
again, I joined another mastermind to learn how to get media exposure and write pitches and, and all that stuff. And you know, I ended up getting booked on tons of podcasts. I got booked on TV, international TV, and wow. just be, just being booked on all these different platforms. I'm in over 200 uh, online publications, but it was all from just taking the first step. Like you were saying, go through and knock on doors, like take yeah. the first step. Like I'm going to say on this show a hundred times, don't wait till things are perfect because they're never going to be like never the, the world is changing so yeah. fast. And so right. like if you're waiting to get this perfect, um, per perfect example, artificial intelligence is infiltrating everything right now. Everything. So like the way, the way you were doing things just six months ago, it's completely different now. Three months ago. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, completely true. different. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. Threw my, I threw my hat in the ring. <laughs> it was like, yeah. I'm, you, I'm using that, that AI with almost, almost everything I do now. Right. You know, so, but it's like yeah. to just get started. You know, like I didn't have the green screen, the microphone, you know, the fancy camera. I didn't have any of this stuff in the beginning. I put my yeah. phone on a tripod and just started recording. And you just started talking. Didn't That's have right. a set theme. It's like, like now we're more into storytelling and overcoming obstacles. I was actually going through my early episodes just yesterday and the topics were all over the place because right. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. what I was doing but yeah that was how I started that's right you and know? then you learn along the way right I mean if that's that's and that's what people are scared to do they are yes. scared to just do you know yeah. and that, and I just said like just do it like if you can research I was just funny I was just talking to a friend about this and she was like I got to do more research and do things and I'm like okay but don't over research because if you over research it's like saying I want to go to France and all you do is read books and you never get on a plane. Like mm. you got to go, you got to yep. do, you know, you got to take action. You got to yes. take that step forward. Even if it's a scary, skinny branch, just do it. Yeah. And, right? and I, I always say too, like, you know, for, for people who are afraid, action cures that fear. You know, like oh, yes. how, how afraid were you to knock on that very first door? Like Petrified. you probably had all kinds of butterflies Petrified. in your stomach. <laughs> and, then, and then once you realize, you know what, this isn't going to kill me. You yeah. know, so you knock on door too. Maybe That's the right. butterflies are a little uh, less. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. I'm not, no, yeah, it is not a death sentence. It's just, <laughs> no, it's not, it, you, you do not, you're not losing people by not, you know, you're not losing your life by knocking on doors. Exactly right. But that goes back to fear is just a made up thing in our heads of what yes. might happen in the future, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not in the present. And I mean, I yeah. didn't know that at the time when I was knocking on doors, but I, it's something that I learned, you know, just go yeah, through it, true. just go, just do it, you know? Yep. Yes, false expectations appearing real. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. And, exactly. Uh, I did. I did a podcast episode on fake problems. Mm. You know, like, and I use that with with my daughter some, sometimes because she gets anxious about about certain things. I'm like, you're getting you're getting anxious over something that hasn't happened. That's right. You know, it's like if you turn on the stove and one of the one of the eyes blows up, right? You have something to fear every time you turn on the stove because, like, that's something that happened. That's but right. like you're you're fearing something that hasn't even occurred. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like, yeah, is it a possibility that that thing could happen? I'm like, yeah, but there's two sides to, to every story. I always say it's like like investing. So many people are afraid to invest. Like, well, what if I lose it all? What if you triple it? That's right. <laughs> you know? Right. It's that's like right. you you you'll never know unless you take that step. Yeah. And it's, and it's simple. And, and you know, just to make it in the simplest terms, when people say, well, what if it doesn't work? I always like, well, what if it does work? Like, yeah. why don't you look at that? Mm -hmm. You know, we're so trained as human beings to look at like the, the negative, like we're, we're, I mean, it's instinctually we're trained to go yeah. to the negative because it's the, it's the protective fight Protection, or flight yep. sort of, yeah, exactly. right. But, but if we train our, but the beautiful thing is we can train our brains to look at the other stuff. And the other thing is, is that do you ever notice that when, you know, so many people at the end of the day, they're going to tell you what didn't well work well yes. or what went wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's like, because if one thing goes wrong and 250 things go right, we focus on the thing that goes wrong instinctively. Yep. If True. you just change your focus and start, I mean, I'm like, well, what about everything that went right? What, why aren't you telling me about that? You know, talk <laughs> about that. And that's really, you know, that goes down to what you focus on grows. This is like such a big theme for me when I talk to people and coach people yep. is focus on what's working because yep. then your brain will automatically see what's working and possibilities rather than the blocks and impossibilities. Focus see, on what works. I have a great example about that too. So I was in a mastermind group and they broke us down into breakout rooms. And so it was mm -hmm. just to practice. So this particular group is about advertising. So like each week 
we, we he just brings up di different topics and we have to write up ads for wh whatever the topic is. Then we go into breakout rooms and then we practice speaking the ad, you know, to do mm. um, a video ad. And so, so one woman goes, and I wasn't even the, the, the leader of the breakout room, but um, so this one woman goes and I think there were eight of us in there, seven people gave her a thumbs up one person gave a thumbs down so now granted you you want to get the feedback you know it's like, all right well but she just focused in on this one person and so like I, I unmuted myself and i was like with all due respect you got seven of us who liked what you did <laughs> you know like you're spending all of your time on the one person that didn't That's <laughs> right. was like, like just yeah. think about that it's like why yeah. don't you pick our brains to see what we liked about it yeah. You know, instead yeah. of just focusing on the one that had negative feedback. That's right. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Did she show, did she ask you then? Did she switch? Yeah, yeah. She did switch it up. But just she like she, okay. she was just so dialed into the what right. did this person like? And yeah. such as such business, like with with my style, it's like, you know, I named this podcast what what it is because because that's my style. Like if right. I want if I want something, I get to work. You know, yeah. Like if, if I have a competition coming up, like I always tell tell people, I don't get ready, I stay ready. Yeah, you know, like I stay ready. Yeah. So like I don't have to do a sixteen week pre prep program. Like I'm ready. I could go do an obstacle race tomorrow if right. one if one was there. I could go run a track meet tomorrow. Right. If what one was there, but that's my style. I know there's other people that style doesn't work. Right. And so and I just say they're not my target audience. That's <laughs> so right. It's like it's people that want it right between the eyes like there are people that need that you know that's that, right. hey shut up and let's focus and just get it done that's <laughs> right, right. Let's, let's get yeah. to work let's put the steps in and let's create your plan right you know, and that doesn't work for everyone but i'm not going to change my style because you can't please everyone no but and it's not only that it's just that you're you know you're the, that's the other thing that people get so scared about i'm like not everybody is your perfect is it your client or your customer or someone who's going to like exactly. you or whatever? It, not, it doesn't matter. Just be yep. you. If when you be you, the right people will come to you for your podcast. People are coming to you because they relate to what you're saying and the guests that you bring on your podcast. But it, then the whole bunch of people will, aren't going to see you, but yeah. they're not your, they're not your, they're not your people. Your people yep. are the ones who come to you. Yeah, and that's like, what's most important. Yeah. It's like when I pitch guests to come on the show, you know, I use a site called Podbooker, and yeah. it's like, and I just I go right down the list because everyone has a story. Like my show is about telling stories, right? And everybody right. has one, so I right. don't real I don't really turn pe people away, you know. Right. Unless like I've had pimps on the show, I've had Playboy centipedes, I had I have former gang members, you know, yeah, pe people who've been in prison, and but th there's a story around all of that stuff. But, I agree. But, but anyway, so I pitch people. And then, you know, they have the option to accept or decline. Yeah. And so when people de decline, it's like I look at it and I was like, the show is about overcoming obstacles and people share their stories to inspire others. What does not appeal about that? Right. <laughs> you know, so so the first couple of times, like, I'd be like, wow, really? But now it's just like, okay, th thank you for your time. Okay, thank you for your time. And yeah. then I, fo I focus on the other 50 that booked with me instead of focusing right. on the 10 that declined. That declined. Yes. And they did whatever reason is their reason. You know, like it's just that one of my favorite sayings is every obstacle is a detour in the right direction. Yes. You know, and that it truly is. Like if something's not working, there's a reason. So pivot, change it, yeah. change direction. It's just yeah, as simple as that, you know, not to say don't try, but I mean, if you're, if you're feeling resistance over and over and over again, yeah, um, there's a reason it's not yep. meant for you. Like there's something better on the other side. And that's what people get stuck on, right? Is the people that I work with is that they're like, but I've been working 10 years, 15 years, 20 years in this field. I'm not happy. And I'm like, okay, but why are we, if you're not happy, why are you continuing? Because I, because I've worked all this time. So therefore that needs to be worth something and they don't see the worth in it or the worthiness in it unless they continue in that particular field. So that's mm -hmm. a whole mindset chip that you got to, yep. you got to change too, right? It's just, it's all about like, if you're feeling resistance, you're feeling unhappy, listen to it. There's, yep. you know, we all have this innate wisdom that we need to listen to. See, and what people don't understand too, the grind is international. Yeah. It's international. It doesn't matter what field you're in. doesn't matter what yeah. sex you are, what religion you are, what you identify as. None of that stuff matters. If yeah. you're zeroed in on something, 
the steps to success are exactly the same. So if you've been an engineer your entire life and then you want to come and become a motivational speaker, all you're doing is you're taking your knowledge and you're shifting it from right. building from building projects and blueprints and stuff. You're just shifting it and you're just taking that. Like, like I said, when I left the restaurant and went to fitness, you know, I just took the principles I learned in, in the restaurants because there's steps to everything. If you want to make a medium steak, there's a process. <laughs> you know, if, you, right. if, if you're making yeah. whatever it is, there's a process. So if you want to lose weight, it's a process. If you want to gain muscle, it's a process. You want better endurance. It's a process. Yeah. So, I, so I just shifted the processes here and now helping people create stories, helping people create podcasts and stuff. The process is exactly the same. That's <laughs> you right. know? Yeah. Right? It's exactly the same. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's like we yeah. and the belief, the And the belief thing, has so. to be the same, right? Is the belief yes. is just like, just take that step. Just go forward, just do, just learn. And you learn as you go, you know? Yep. And that is, I think, part of the fears that people think that they need. And I mean, you know, perfection, perfectionism is fear-based, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's all about like, if I don't do this perfect, then what will people say or what will happen to me or whatever it is. But yep. if you just, if you, if you come from a place, you know, if you have that growth mindset and that every step I take, I'm learning and growing, then you, that fear starts to go away. And it's just about the learning. It's not about yes. the final destination. It's about the journey and the learning. And that's exactly. super important. And it's a big, a really important shift that for people, you know, because yep. uh, I mean, I don't know if you ever talk about fixed mindset and growth mindset, but that's a big thing that oh, I yeah. talk about. Yeah, yeah. In terms that's, of just, that's a yeah. huge part of, of everything. Like even in fitness, when people come, come in for a consultation, like I don't even, well, when I was within, within a gym, I'm not within a gym anymore, but I wouldn't even show them the gym for probably like the first 20 minutes of the conversation. It's like, why are you here? Yeah. You know, it's like, why are you here? What do you, what do you want to accomplish? Why do you want to accomplish that? What will that do for you? How will your life change? How will that better your spouse's life? How will it affect you as a parent, as a coworker? Like, like get deep, deep down, like right down to the bones of why are you here? Right. And then, cause like, if, cause if they're not there, I can't work with them. No. And, and I and tell people straight up. And they won't show up. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to take the time, write up a program for you, schedule time out of my day for you to not show up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like I, right. I, I, I vet them, I vet them harshly. And then, and even with them, um, I help, I helped a woman uh, create a podcast. And when I tell you not tech savvy at all, like we, I had the screen screen share and show her click here click create facebook page right <laughs> you know like right. step by step but she was willing to do the work yeah. so I, so i was i was willing to put in the extra time to completely start from scratch right. but like with other people if it's like i'm just not tech savvy i don't do any of that stuff I'm like well i'm not the guy for you then because if you want to do this the internet's not going away <laughs> and so there's no better place to advertise than a platform that sees two and a half billion people per day that's right. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, going to networking events is great. You know, doing cold calls, all that stuff is great. But you can reach thousands of people in a short amount of time with yeah. a well-placed Facebook ad. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's crazy. All it right. Is. So let's talk about your biz for, for a little, even though we're, we're over time, but we're, we're vibing. So, you know, we can keep, we're vibing. We can let's keep, keep going. the discussion going. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about your business. What do you do? Um, in terms of coaching, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, you know, talking about the internet and how that's changed everything, it's certainly changed uh, the way you can coach because I, I have the major. I don't, I don't think I have any clients in Montreal. So all my clients are pretty much uh, international. Yeah. Um, and because I do this, I do it like this. And what I, you know, I during COVID, not to diminish the pain and suffering that yeah. a lot of people went through. But I, there was a lot of things that I called COVID blessings. Yeah. And one of the COVID blessings for me in terms of the ability to reach more people is that people became, got a, you know, a very quick PhD on how to become comfortable on screen. Whereas before it was people like me who were in broadcasting, people like you who are podcasting, but everybody else was like, oh my God, like, I don't know how to look. Where do I look? What do I do? And what that did yeah. is that that brought down the wall and allowed people became comfortable being real and vulnerable on screen, mm -hmm. which that allowed people like me to suddenly have, you know, clients all over the world because there's no issue anymore with people talking yeah. and being real when they're, you know, on the screen. 
So, um, so my client base is international and it really, uh, it, it, I, it's like a three month program or a six month program that I offer because, and I, and funny, cause I compare it to the gym all the time because I'm a big, mm. I'm a big gym, uh, rat. What do they call them? Gym rats. Like gym I'm, rats. A, I'm a big, <laughs> yeah, I'm a weight trainer. Like I've been my whole life. Right. But I compare mm. it to that because most people understand instinctively that you go to the gym and your muscles aren't going to suddenly, you're not going to have a six pack the next morning, right? It's like you do the work underneath and eventually you see it, but you've yep. got to do the work and you've got to consistently show up and you've just got to do it without seeing the immediate results because you know that the result is coming. So coaching is the same thing in that you're going to do the work and you're going to do the work and you're going to do the work and you might not see it right away, but there's going to be small little 1% a day. So all we're looking for is 1% yes. a day. And you're going to see those small little shifts. And it's the same. It transfers into, you know, into the weight training world, obviously in the fitness world, is that it's all happening. You're just not going to see it right away. But when you see it, it's suddenly, it's like you, it's like it happened overnight, but it didn't happen overnight. <laughs> it's all <laughs> the work that you put into it that feels yeah. like it's suddenly showing. And so um, it's funny because I, I was, I, I just finished working with a 19 year old who had a lot of anxiety and a lot of stuff and his changes, like his parents literally called me and said, I don't, I don't understand. Like it was, cause I kept telling them, you know, change is, is tough at the beginning, very messy in the middle. And then when it comes, it's just glorious, you know, yes. but you got to deal with the messy and the, cause messy, it's always messy in the middle. Yep. And at the end they're like, it, it's like, it's like, it's like, it happened like in one day and I'm like, yeah, but it didn't happen in one day. It's all <laughs> the work that we did came, but suddenly, it, you know, there was clarity and it, it came. And so yeah. that's why I think three month programs are really important because like you in the fitness world, if people aren't going to, they have to be dedicated to do the work to go to the change for that 1% a day. And then things shift massively, massively, you know, or six month programs too, I do. Yes. Um, and, and, but I think that's the minimum because you have to, you have to work with people. So I do a lot of that. Um, I do do group coaching as well. For people who want to just sort of dip their toe into it. Not sure if they're ready for that one-on-one -on -one thing, you know? Um, and I'm, you know, like you, I'm doing motivational speaking, inspirational speaking. Um, on a, like, it's just groups of people that are inviting me to go and I'm doing some stuff on online and I've actually, LinkedIn has been a big uh, place where people are finding me because of my broadcast background. So it's just, I'm just more uh, uh, visited on, uh, on that app, okay. on that uh, website. Um, and I, yeah, that's like, that's like, it's just, I'm just all about inspiring people to be the best version of themselves. And in any way that I can do it, I like to do it. And it, and it, it is honestly having been a broadcast journalist and thinking that there was no higher thing I could get to because, you know, on the outside, I was on TV. I was like, like, what else? You, yes. you know, um, I have never been more fulfilled than watching people change and shift. Love it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It is. It is. It's an, it's amazing. It's just amazing to help people. And, and you know what, it's like such a growing phenomenon, right? In the personal development world is growing and it's not just, so like I call coaching what personal training used to be, you know, personal mm -hmm. training, what, 20 years ago was just the rich and famous or just the Hollywood stars. And then yeah. everybody realized, oh my God, wait a minute. If I actually work a personal trainer, then I can, uh, I can do things right. And, like it just evolved into like now nobody blinks when they have a personal trainer, right? Cause everybody yeah. should have a personal trainer for at least a little bit of time to get to, if, if, even if they can't afford it, private person, they have to have a little bit so they know what they're doing properly. It's the mm -hmm. same with coaching is that at the beginning, I mean, it obviously it started on the sports fields. And there were, that's where the coaches came from. Then it went into the business world. Then you heard about all the Hollywood stars who had their personal coach. And now all of a sudden people are realizing, oh, wait a minute, I, I can actually shift things and, and, and change my perspective and reprogram the way my brain is working. And this is actually a cool thing to do, you know, so that the industry has, has shifted a lot and it's really on the way up because people are looking because people understand that things are, and you don't have to stay in, I'm not knocking therapy, therapy is super important, but you don't have to stay in therapy for 10 years to figure stuff out. You know, you can figure it out and take action to change things relatively quickly. Yeah. So you're helping people change their normal. Like I'm, I'm working exactly. with, with a woman exactly. now and she just like, she's going through another, another divorce and, and she's like, how come everything in my life is this? And how come people treat me like this? And I'm like, you're not going to like this answer. I was like, cause you tolerate it. 
<laughs> it's like you you have you have to set set the boundaries you know it's like i've never had had a woman that like yells and screams at me in a relationship because it's like we don't do that like i set, set that right. boundary in the beginning it's like if we have a disagreement we can disagree but there's there's, right. no, there's no reason to be calling names and doing all the stuff like what does that do that doesn't solve anything it just makes it even worse and then the fight escalates <laughs> instead of right. de-escalating yeah so I'm, so I'm working with her to completely just reprogram normal i said because yeah. it's like if we don't do this your next relationship is going to be exactly the same because you're going to seek out that same person and you're going to attract it that's yeah right. like even though you're not happy with it you're comfortable with it because that's what you know yeah you know? yeah and it, it's funny because i was i was you know i always tell people don't look at coaching is there something wrong with you it's about leveling up so yes. you're here but you want to get like like the, you know like you said the new normal but yeah. new normal is like the next level and then when you get here, well, then you need a coach to get you to here. You know, like you're always, it's again, all about the journey and leveling up. And so, yes, people come to me like people come to you when they're feeling broken and feeling needing to help and whatever. But yeah. then once they get out of that, I'm like, you just want to keep going. Like, don't stop, you know, just mm -hmm. keep leveling up, leveling up, leveling up. Like in terms of, you know, live with the thing and then say, okay, now I'm ready. to. What's next? And then it's, then it's like an exciting thing. It's again, I bring it back to the gym all the time. Like once you get to a certain fitness level, you don't want to plateau. You want to go, okay, what's next? Like, how can I get mm -hmm. better, faster, stronger, more mobility, whatever, you know? Exactly. So, yeah. I always yeah. tell pe people focus on performance. I'm like, don't yeah. like, don't worry about the scale. Don't worry about, I said, work, focus on performance. Like day one, you were swinging a four pound kettlebell. You know, we're on day 30 now when you're swinging a 16 kg kettlebell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is 35 pounds. That that yeah. means your body is changing. Don't That's worry right. about the scale. Just keep improving your performance. And then a year from now, you're going to be a completely different beast. Completely different. Don't worry about three weeks in, the scale only moved a pound. We're three weeks in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, That's it's right. like but people, but you know, you see the commercials again going back to societal conditioning, and they see the commercials lose 20 pounds in 21 days. And yeah, that, that's not real. Like, if no. you want real sustained fitness results, it's a that's slow right. process. And I would say, all right, so you want to lose 20 pounds. If you lose a half a pound a week, that's 26 pounds at the end of 12 months. Yeah. Like, but you're going to be, you're going to have muscles. You're going to have much better endurance. You're going to be more flexible. You know, and it's not coming back. And the weight's like, not coming back. Exactly. Because exactly. it's your new lifestyle. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly. your new normal. Yeah. You know, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let peeps know where, where they can find you. So you can find me. Uh, so my, my actual website is uh, paulasamuel.com. It's my name. P-A-O-L-A-S-A-M-U-E-L.com. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. I always have great nuggets on there. It's Paula Samuel four, the number four, not the, not the word um, on Facebook. It's all my name, Paula Samuel. And then if you're on LinkedIn, uh, also Paula Samuel, you can find me there. There's a lot of good nuggets there. So it's uh, come and find me, follow me, reach out to me. I'm here to, to help have fun with and, and, and get people, you know, vibrating. Our goal, I think, Robert, is to get everybody vibrating to the highest level so that everything yes. shifts, you know, get the Absolutely. whole world vibrating up. And that's that's one person at a time. And and that's yep. that is what I just love to do. Yeah, love it. All yeah. right. So don't don't sign out yet because I, I want to okay. talk to you when I stop the broadcast. But thank you for taking the time to come. This is a great conversation. We went 30 minutes pleasure. over time. But I know. Are we we're vibing. We're vibing. OK. All right. I'll see you in a minute. OK. <laughs> All right. All right. What a fun episode. So, and we dropped golden nugget after golden nugget in this episode. So if you tuned in late, make sure you go back and you watch the rest of it because it was a really, really good conversation. And I know we haven't seen the last of her. So again, if this was your first time watching, I hope you got a lot out of this. Like, subscribe, five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're watching. If if you resonated with it, if, if you didn't, get out of here. Never, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. So every episode... We're going to be talking about someone's story. We're going to be talking about helping you get to that next level. And as she said towards the end there, there's nothing wrong with you. We just got to reframe your thoughts. Okay? Reframe your thoughts. You do that, and then everything in your life can change. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. 
We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Until next time, shut up 